One reason I have great hope and promise for this good church is because I just counted 18 children who left to go to children's church. So I believe the church has a, a great future. We have a number of visitors here today, and I wanted to say I'm not the regular preacher. I am a substitute until they can get a real one. And, uh, <clears throat> but I want to welcome those who are visiting today. We have a number who are visiting, and some of them are friends of mine. I uh, retired 15 years ago, and I have, still have some friends, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, my text today is found in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 16. <clears throat> now, probably most of you already know that uh, our Lord, from his resurrection until he went to heaven was a period of 40 days. 40 days seems to be an important uh, number in the Bible. Uh, in fact, about 21 or 22 times, 40 days and 40 nights are mentioned in the Bible. And Jesus, you remember, was tempted of the devil because he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. You remember when Noah built the ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was raised from the dead, and before he ascended, he had a, a ministry that lasted 40 days and 40 nights. Towards the end of what we call the post-resurrection ministry, our Lord gives some final instructions to the church now, the title of my message today is to keep the main thing, the main thing. This text is about what it means for the church in terms of what is the main thing for the church. So let me read verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe and obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. Serving on the International Mission Board was a great privilege for me. Only about one out of eight or 900 pastors during their ministry get to serve on what we call the International Mission Board. And I was a trustee there for eight years, and I had the opportunity to meet and to talk to some of the great saints of God that really left a large footprint in making Southern Baptist the denomination that it is today. Some of you will recognize Henry Blackaby, he was a part of that time, and that was my privilege to be able on occasion to talk to Henry Blackaby. Many people have been blessed by his books. 
Dr. Jerry Rankin, and of course, Dr. Keith Parks, presidents of our, what we call the International Mission Board. But during that time, when these men left that large footprint, I recognized that there were, most of the trustees were like me. Nobody knew who they were except in their own community. But we had two or three, aside from the ones that I have mentioned, who were people who were well-known. One of those was a man by the name of Dr. Uh, Guy. He was a professor of evangelism for decades at the Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary in uh, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And Dr. Cal Guy was a man who was a real Texan. He was a man who had a way with words, and he wrote a position paper on the task of the church. What is the job of the church? What is the commission of the church? And then he kind of said these words that have re I have remembered for over 30 years. He said, the task of the church is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now think about that. The task of the church is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now why is that important? Because whether it's the church or any institution, the only reason the church or any institution can justify why they exist is for them to do the main thing that they're called to do. I'm old-fashioned, and you know that, and not only that, I'm old. Uh, in fact, let me tell you, I wasn't going to put this in my sermon. I'm not going to charge you anything extra for this. But I was in the, the library th this week working on my sermon. I, I have my own library at home, and I like to take books from my library and go to the library because my study, the one out in my garage, is not air-conditioned, and that's a good reason. But I was reading a book, and, and I looked at the author and, and, and last Thursday, I turned 84, and I declare this happened. I was reading the biographical sketch of the man who wrote the book, and it said, and he died at the ripe old age of 84. <laughs> I wanted to take that book and burn it. But the Lord has been good, and while I was on the mission board, I learned the, the, the importance of what the main thing is, and the main thing of the church is given here, and this is what this patch is about, keeping the main thing the main thing. I believe that the main thing the schools ought to do, and this is not a political statement, I believe the main thing a school ought to do is to teach our precious children how to write, how to read, and how to do math and to teach them history. I don't believe the primary task of uh, the, the Department of Education is to teach our children about sexual identification. That's not their main task. And they get into trouble when they try to do that. What I'm trying to say is, is whether it's the church or any institution, we need to know what our main task is. And here our Lord lays before us what I call the mandate of the church. And we who are the people of God 
need to know why God left the church here on earth. It would have been wonderful we'd all been taken to heaven, but he has left the church here, and it is the church and the church alone that is the representative of Jesus Christ here on earth. And so in the first place, and my first point has to do that the power that Jesus mentions, he said, all power in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Now, where did Jesus get this power? Well, you remember, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you see, God is the creator. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, Elohim, the Hebrew name for God there, the one who creates, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The Bible has a lot to say about the power of the names of God. My wife served on the general board of the state of Virginia, and there was a scholar on that board, Dr. Kenneth Hemphill, and he's written a book on the names of God. You know some of the names, Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, Yahweh. These are the names of God, but inculcated in that name, the name of God, is his power. And God, who in Jesus Christ gave that power to his son, and Jesus says, I am giving the church my mandate and I want to do it on the basis because all power has been given to me. And he is transferring, as it were, that power to the church. You see, the entire gospel of Matthew is predicated upon the power of Jesus Christ. In fact, each of the gospels Look at the life of Jesus in a little different way. Matthew presents Jesus as the king, the coming king. Mark talks about Christ as being the servant. Luke talks about him as the son of man. John's gospel answers the question, who really is the man that hung on the cross? And so Matthew, in his emphasis to say that Jesus is the king and one day the king is coming. One day there will be a time in the history of man when all of this that is going on, the things that trouble our heart, the great king of the universe will come back. And Matthew is saying that Christ is king and he said even in Matthew 7 we see the power of Jesus as he taught. In Matthew 8, Christ's power is shown in the fact that he could heal the sick. In Matthew 9, reveals our Lord's power to forgive sin. And listen to what Paul, the theologian, said about the position and the power of Jesus. Listen to this. Therefore, God exalted him, referring to Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 
and every tongue will one day confess that Jesus is Lord. When I read that, I thought about that old song. We don't sing it anymore, but Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his lovely name. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Oh, folks, the name of Jesus has power. And Jesus is saying to the church, what I want you to hear before I go to heaven is that all power has been given to me, both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he gives them a command to do. Folks, I believe the church, and I'm speaking now generically, I believe the church is not short on programs. Folks, Southern Baptists have enough uh, programs to sink a ship. I mean, we're not, we're not short on programs. And, and we're not even short on, on, on supplies. We've got plenty of supplies. And, and, and don't misunderstand, but I believe the church is short on the power of God. We're living in a time when too much of the work of God is done in, in man and because of what man can do. Almost every time I would stand to preach to about a thousand people at Franklin Heights, I would quote for myself, not for somebody else, but for myself what Jesus said in John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Folks, we cannot do the work of God in our own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we Baptists, we don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit, but folks, we need an infusion of the Spirit of God in the church. We need to understand that the work that we've been called to do, the task that Jesus has left for, requires the power of God. We cannot do it in ourselves. Did not Acts 1 say, all power is given unto me, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the work. The work of God must be done, should be done, in the power of God. Now, there are a lot of things, you, you know, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. I mean, there are things that we do. I mean, we get up in the morning, take a bath. But when it comes to the, the work of God, when it comes to sharing the gospel, when it comes to being witnesses in our community, and by the way, just so you'll know, this which was given to the disciples was given to the church. It wasn't just those 11 in fact, you remember Judas had killed himself and, and they only had 11 disciples at that time. But the word disciple is not used here just to mean 11 people. In fact, if you will notice, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus said, now I want you to go to a certain place because I've got something important to say to you. And then he said, and when they saw them, they worshipped them, but some doubted it. Some scholars believe that there were a larger number than just what we think of the 11 disciples. 
that there were people who heard, people who believed, people who were followers of Jesus Christ. And he says, this is the task. This is the main task of the church. And so we move from the power that Jesus mentioned to the plan that Jesus gave them. And this is the part of the message that deals with what the primary thing is. The main thing for the church is to keep the main thing the main thing. And folks, we do a lot of good stuff, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to diminish the good work of the church. I, I think feeding the poor is good. I, I, I believe the fellowship of the church is worthy. I believe that we do many good things, but the main thing is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only reason the church has been placed here. Folks, there are many influences, many voices that are calling for the attention of our young people, and they're being led astray. But the church, its main task is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means that he's just not talking to preachers. He's just not talking to people who have been trained to preach or trained to counsel. He's talking to the church. Every one of us, when we go to our jobs, whatever it is, when, whatever we do, we who are followers of Jesus Christ must be light to the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I don't know how many times I've, in my ministry, I've tried to witness to somebody, and, 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 and you see, in order to be saved, we have to admit that we are sinners and that we have sinned, and, and Christ died for our sin. Folks, all of us are sinners. I stand before you today, and I am a sinner saved by the grace of God. And how many times I've witnessed to people, and here's what they say, Preacher, we're as good as one of your deacons, and that was probably true. Folks, it's not how good or bad we are. It's the fact that we all need salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen? We all need to know that, we, that Christ died for our sins, and he is saying, I want you to know, he says, Therefore, in light, See, the word therefore is a bridge word. It's, it, it's, it's using what's come before and it builds to say something later. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, that's the bridge word. Therefore, because all power has been given to me, therefore, he says, go and make disciples. And let me just say, the word disciple is a, a term that was used in the early church to mean anybody that was a follower of Jesus Christ. It was not talking about, although we talk about the 12 disciples, but in the early church, that meant a follower of Jesus Christ. And so the task of the church is for you and me and us to carry the gospel where we go, to, 
to try to be a witness to people. There, there are times that in the mornings I pray, Lord, I don't know what is on your schedule for me today, but if there is somebody that I can meet, that I can share the gospel with, let me be sensitive to people. Folks, people are dying and going into eternity without Christ because they need to hear the word, the gospel of good news that God loves them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, let me say this. The Christian faith is a missionary faith. It is a sending faith. Did you know uh, when I was a young person, well, a long time ago, did you know that Southern Baptists were called Missionary Baptists? Did you know that the name of our Franklin County Association is called the Franklin County Missionary Baptist Association? In other words, in the old days, we who were Baptists understood the main task is to have a mission in this world. We were missionary Baptists. There was a task, and that was the main thing. And the job was to keep the main thing the main thing. Now let me um, tell you a, a, a true story. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a sad story, but it's true. Uh, when I was on the mission board... Uh, we had 5,000, that's a lot, 5,000 international missionaries that were sharing the gospel in 130 countries. And here about two years ago, I was, uh, I think it was at my home church at Franklin Heights, and, and, and I heard that our missionary force was 3,600. Now, if you take 3,600 and subtract it from 5,000, it's 1,400 short. And so I asked somebody in a, in a church, I was at a pretty big church, and I asked him, I said, why do we have fewer missionaries than we did 30 years ago? And he said, well, they've made administrative cuts. I knew when he said that he didn't know what he's talking about. And so I was at Franklin Heights about 18 months ago, and it just so happened that Dr. Paul Chitwood was the president of the International Mission Board. And he was there, and the pastor introduced me and said that I was on the mission board, and I was a trustee. And so we got to talking. I said, Dr. Chitwood, why have Southern Baptists had to bring home 1,400 missionaries from the foreign field? You know what he said? He said, because churches have stopped giving to missions. Folks, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Because everybody needs the gospel. I got to thinking the other day, I don't know why I thought of this, but, you know, in 1900, uh, people sold a lot of buggy whips. You know what a buggy whip is? I, I remember my grandpa, who was, uh, he was born in 1880, I think. He had a big farm in Georgia and had a country store, and he was quite prominent. 
And I remember him talking about his buggy whip. But when cars came out, people stopped buying buggy whips because they didn't need horses. They had cars. Does that make sense to you? Shake your head. Okay. Some of you are about asleep, and I want you to wake up. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, is to see that there was time when people really needed buggy whips and buggies. But when they started making cars, the need for buggies and buggies whips ceased to be. Now, you say, preacher, why are you telling us this? The reason I am is because people will always need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? There will never be a time when we will not have an earth filled with people who need to hear the gospel. And maybe you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You have never heard that the God who loves you is the one who sent his son to die for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And maybe I'm talking to someone here today that you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Oh, hear me. Nothing is more important than when you're going to spend eternity. Doesn't make any difference how much money you have. Doesn't make any difference how big your house is. Doesn't make any difference that all your children have PhDs. What makes a difference is where will you spend eternity? The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Folks, I know I'm in the home stretch. I understand that. It won't be long before I'll be going home and I want the Lord to say, oh, I, I pray that I will, be, and, and every week, if not maybe two or three times a week, Lord, I want to be faithful to you until the last day of my life. I grew up in a non-Christian home. It was a godly deacon, Mr. J.D. Jones, invited me to go to the Jasper Springs Baptist Church in Savannah, Georgia. And I went, and the preacher's wife, he, she taught me about Jesus, and I accepted him at age 10. And folks, I haven't gotten over it yet. See, Jesus does make a difference. And I know we have people in churches that kind of nipple at the edges, people who are not serious about it, people who do not reflect the blood-stained cross of Calvary, people who are just not really into it. But I thank God that I have known people that are full of the love of God and they've been saved by the grace of God. Amen? And so maybe you're here today and you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ because the main task of the church is to share the gospel. So let me say as you look for a new preacher, don't give up on missions. Oh, I thank God for the people who went to shrimp. I'd like to know why they call it that. Shrimp. And they went to Hampton Roads and they shared the gospel with people because people there need the gospel. People in Franklin County need the gospel. We've got a lot of churches, but folks, we've got a lot of people that are lost and dying and going to hell. 
We, we, there, there, there's a heaven to gain, but there's a hell to shun. I know it's old-fashioned, but you know the Bible has more to say about hell than it does heaven because that's a fearsome place. I don't know all about it, but I know I don't want to go there. Like the preacher, he was uh, out witnessing, and he ran across a, a group of little boys on the playground, and, 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 and he said to this one young boy, he said, do you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah. And he asked the other little boy, do you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah. And then he got to the third little boy. He said, you want to go to heaven? He said, no. He said, you don't want to go to heaven when you die? He said, oh. He said, I thought you were getting up the load to go now. truth of it is we, <clears throat> we may not want to go now, but folks, sometimes we're going to have to go. Does that make sense to you? And that's the reason we need to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's the primary task of the church. He said, go into all the world. And I would say to you, because Romans, I, I, I memorize this, but I, if I tried to quote it, I would mess it up. I, I, I wrote it down. In Romans 10, 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? The very task of the church is that we are sent to carry the love of God and the mercy of God. And I know my time is rapidly going. But let me say, finally, the promise that Jesus made. Oh, this is great. This is something you can chew on. This is something that's better than money in the bank. It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, actually, the older translation, it says, lo. Now, that's an important word. Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. The word lo is what is called an emphatic imperative. And it means pay attention. I've got something important to say. I don't know. I grew up in a time if the teacher wanted your attention, she might take a ruler and rap on her desk and you knew it was time to quit talking and listen. And here you have the idea of, of our Lord saying, I want you to pay attention, disciples. I want you to know that as you go, as you share the gospel, as you be the church, as you be salt and leaven and light, I want you to know I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Now let me bring it home. Some of you are facing difficulty in your life. Maybe it's a medical report. Maybe it's a problem in the home. Maybe you've got a child or a grandchild that's away from God or struggling. Or, and maybe, you know, you're going through a, a dark place. But if you know Christ as your Savior, the promise of God is that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Oh, folks, every day I thank God for each day that he gives me.
and I have been a Christian for a long time. I'm 84, and I was saved at 10, so that's 74 years. I've lost a son in that time. I've had some problems during that time. But there has never been a day, or as a friend of mine, nary a day says that God has not been with me and that God has not been faithful and that God has not been everything that he said he would be. And so my charge to this good church and my, my hope for this good church is that you will keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, folks, there's nothing more important than your relationship to God. You're going to go out of here today and you're going to eat hamburgers or T-bone steak or whatever. But nothing is going to be more important than where you spend eternity. The main thing is to know Christ as your Savior. Amen. <clears throat> Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've promised to be with us to the end of the age. Lord, I pray that this good church would keep the main thing the main thing. We love you, Lord, because you loved us. We thank you because you've been gracious to us. And I love you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here today that needs to surrender their life to Jesus Christ, pray the day that they would do that. And I make this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.